0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is Episode 322, Week 1 Overreactions. In the bank on the break. <laughs> Watch big Hello, Big Chillians, and welcome back to The Big Chill Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed Week 1 of the NFL. Unfortunately, Sam enjoyed it so much with his Joe Burrow comeback, he had to uh, take a vacation and leave us to cool down from all the Joe Burrow hotness. But I am Frank, joined just with Eddie today. Eddie, I'm surprised you're not also on vacation after that Niners near collapse. I thought maybe you'd need need some rest and relaxation as well.
1: No, that's a classic move. Great
0: move by the
1: team. You're just a- from a betting perspective, they're just making sure the line doesn't get too big for future matches. So that's a great move. And then also from a coaching standpoint, they're just skewing all of the you know the data that the other teams will have on what they're going to do in certain situations and when they're vulnerable and what they can stop. Brilliant move. Just just dominating the data and the win. <laughs>
0: Did in you also- bet? Trey Lance to score a touchdown.
1: N- no. I mean, in all seriousness, though, that does suck if you did take the Niners minus the points. To cover. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. that's a heartbreaking loss. If that, I app- For anyone out there where that's your only loss of the weekend, then I'm just very sorry for you because you would have thought that that was done and dusted with, I mean, with two minutes to go. It looked inconceivable that they weren't going to cover, let alone the entire game they looked like they were going to cover.
0: I imagine that was not a lot of people's only loss because nine underdogs won in week one. I saw something, uh, someone posted, if you put a $10 bet on all nine of the underdogs, just winning outright, it would have paid 36,000 for a 10 for $10 parlay. But I mean, and a lot of those underdogs were underdogs by the spread, but by no way without a chance. I guess for most of them, you would say um, the Raiders was a little surprising, I think. But, you know, the Cardinals, the Chargers, the, the Eagles, the Saints, they're underdogs, but they're all capable teams against who they were playing. So, But maybe we can get into some of the games in a little more detail. And obviously, I think the one we should start on is Browns, Chiefs.
1: I got a question for you. Do you feel better or worse about the Browns after that game? In terms
0: of if I'm like a Browns fan?
1: If you're a Browns fan and just what you think their ceiling is for this season based on what you saw there. Because it basically comes down to were you really impressed by their first half or even the first three quarters? Or were you so unimpressed by the final quarter that you just feel like they don't quite have it in them to beat a good team Because you can go one of either two ways. They dominated that game for 75% of it. And their offense looked amazing for, let's say, at least 60% of it. And that's without Odell Beckham Jr. coming back into into it at some point. But similar to the playoffs last year, when they really need a drive, when it's a really tough situation, they kind of just can't get it done. So are you focusing on how good things could be or the concerns over can they come through in the in the kind of in the clutch
0: no i mean you have to take it as them progressing and getting better i mean let's look 2 years ago what the, where this team was compared to now i mean you have to you can't just i understand brown's fans have been waiting forever for this but even as a brown fan you have to step back and look at the larger picture whereas 2 3 years ago you were still a 1 2 win team And you can't just say we lost in the AFC divisional. Now we've already lost week one. What's going on here? I mean, you almost beat the best team in the NFL probably. And I don't even see that as, I mean, they were right there, right? They could have won it. And I don't see that, I guess, the implosion in the second half so much on them as that's just the Chiefs to me. The Chiefs are just a team where sometimes they don't click. For a quarter or two and then boom they just go off because if you look at the first half the chiefs i think had two drives in the red zone and kicked field goals on both of them and that's always kind of what we've we've talked about this previously that kind of they get these long touchdown passes but then when they get into the red zone they can't score and i think if instead of kicking field goals in those red zones where they drive down and then stall if they score touchdowns there then you know this game could have been a blowout even, you know, or not as close as it was. But I mean, the Browns were able to hold them as much as they could. Couldn't hold them enough, which most, if not all teams, the NFL can't do besides the Bucks. and one shitty punt, you know, kind of screwed them. I, I, I think you have to be really optimistic. You're right there. I think they played that game better than when they played them last year in the playoffs. I think you've gotten closer. You're right there.
1: Oh, no. I mean, they should have. I think the difference is last year in the playoffs, they could have won. On Sunday, they should have won. Like, they will walk. And, yeah, I I agree. If you're on the team, you come away probably thinking, okay, we can go toe-to-toe with any team in the league now. Now, if you're the Chiefs, reverse this. Are you just concerned? I mean, their defense could give up 40, 50 points almost any Sunday. Like, is that serious cause for concern, no matter how good Mahomes and all those receivers can be? No. (laughs) No. Not even worried? No.
0: I think you just have to – I think the only thing Andy Reid needs to do is fix this red zone trouble that he seems to have every season. And if they can get their red zone efficiency up to 75%, they, they, let let a team score 30 because they'll score 35. Let a team score 35 and they'll score 40. You know, it's It's the same thing we talk about every week. It's that whole concept of keeping your offense on the field to keep the Chiefs off the field. But at the end of the day, if the Chiefs keep scoring touchdowns, it ain't going to matter. And I think as, soon, as long as they correct that, I don't think they even care about their defense. If their defense gets them two turnovers, then I think they believe they can win any game.
1: Yeah. All right. So that's two probably sensible reactions to <laughs> Browns and the Chiefs. What's your big overreaction from week one? Because I have a couple.
0: I'm back on the Texans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so Sam's Texans on a, are a playoff team. <laughs> Sam's on a one one-week vacation to Micanosa and you are on a one-week one-week vacation away from the Houston Texans.
0: <laughs> no, I mean I'll give you my overreaction is I think the Cardinals are have a legitimate chance to make the Super Bowl on that side. That they looked I'll strong. Flip it. I mean, that is ah. a playoff Titans team. No, and they no, no. So there's my
1: overreaction. my overreaction. Titans, done. Throw them in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> the Titans are done. The Texans might make the playoffs because the Titans, awful. Tannehill, Dolphins, Tannehill again. Turns out having a great running back can't even punch it in from the one yard line, multiple attempts. <laughs> what good does that do you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I watched most of that the cards game, but they just looked their defense now has gotten better. Chandler Jones looked unstoppable. J.J. Watt helped him out in being unstoppable because he pulled some uh, some linemen on him. When you couple that with how good Murray looked, that could be a dangerous team. Their only their only problem is that they're in the toughest division. If they're in the NFC East. They're flying to the playoffs. They could rest their players the last four weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, you could say that. Yeah, anyone
1: from the (laughs) NFC West. I mean, look, the NFC West and the AFC West, they all won their games. It's a kind of crazy opening to those two divisions.
0: I think... And the NFC North, everyone lost. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I haven't changed my opinion on the Cardinals, which the my view on the Cardinals is when they're good, they're great. But when they're bad, they're awful. And... We're gonna see them eight to ten times this year where Kyler Murray's just running about around in the backfield. It looks impossible. I mean, the thing is, right, when he takes off to run sometimes, I don't know how you stop him as a defense. He's just like kind of you know, it's it's a design pass play. He's just in the backfield there. Suddenly you haven't got pressure on him within, you know, a second, and then he's taken off for fifteen yards. He's and gone. Yeah. untouched, just running to the sidelines. And I just don't know what you do. But then the reverse of that is they have games where they look absolutely terrible we saw that last year. I think overall they're fun to watch. I'll watch most of their games. I would definitely stay away from them from any survivor pool picks because you know what's gonna happen They're gonna be like 10 point favorites against a team at some point in the season and they're just gonna lose. It's gonna jags happen. in two weeks. Yeah probably <laughs> perfect yeah excellent example of what could happen
0: how about chargers were you impressed with the chargers being able to actually win a close game now is this have they broken that tipping point where now they're winning instead of losing those close games no i mean they beat a washington without fitzpatrick (laughs) (laughs) like
1: you know i'm i'm not going to say that was an amazing win you know they beat a team that might make the playoffs maybe and again. The only reason Washington will make the playoffs is because of how weak their division is. If you stuck Washington into 70% of the divisions, they're not even contending for the playoffs.
0: But yeah, yeah it's a good Fitz, win. Fitzmagic out with a hip injury. Could there be any like more stereotypical injury that a 37-year-old quarterback could get than a hip injury? <laughs>
1: I mean, I guess a back injury is a little bit more, but
0: yeah. He's going to be I mean, on the field with one of those walkers with the little tennis balls on the bottom, just kind of going through the plays. That's going to be his walkthroughs.
1: Yeah. But. but
0: He's quirky. I, and right, oh, I'll give you an. Op- okay, go ahead. I was going to give you a good overreaction game Saints Packers.
1: I don't know if I can overreact to it because, look, we all picked the Packers, but said kind of worried about the Saints because they might have had a major upgrade at the quarterback position. And, I mean, Winston didn't have to do a lot. He was very efficient through five touchdown passes, but he really didn't have to do a lot against that Packers team to beat them. Get some nice
0: deep balls, though.
1: Yeah. I mean, he look, maybe this is the overreaction. I'm already willing to say that's a major upgrade on Drew Brees. Yeah.
0: I don't Well, even they, they asked Brees... And his quote, he had a pretty good quote. He goes, I guess, apparently, this is what the Saints have been missing, on um, his ability to throw the deep ball. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, I mean, I don't know how to feel about the Packers. I don't know whether I fully expect that they, they just have bad games in them, too. They're just one of those teams. Rogers has days where he just looks like he'd rather be anywhere else other than playing football, which is probably... <laughs> true and sunday he was not interested and it you could see it and they were awful
0: well you were right about rogers having a bad performance so his passer rating was 32.8 if he just took every snap and just threw it right into the dirt his passer rating would have been (laughs) 39.6 So fast rating was lower than if he just took it and just spiked every ball. That's how bad it was. Another really good fact I saw was he turned it over in the red zone. It was his first red zone interception since week six of 2019. He had thrown 45 touchdowns before or after his last INT before this one. So that's, that's pretty a pretty impressive. crazy stat. I thought that there was the 45 same. touchdowns in the red they, zone.
1: They brought up that stat during the Browns game, right? Mahomes has never thrown an interception in September. That's September.
0: Kind of, that's kind of crazy. unreal. Like. It's uh, this, the, they put up the stat line and it's just an unreal stat line. It was what is something it like? like? 38 13 touchdowns. 13 and 0. Yeah, 30 38, t- touchdowns, yeah 38 touchdowns. 35, 38 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's insane. But I wanted to go back no, to here's, the Niners.
1: No, 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 before we do that, the Packers. Okay. I almost feel more confident that the Packers will win their division than I do about any other team winning their division after Sunday, even though they lost. If you can wrap your head around what I'm trying to say, I don't come out from the NFC West feeling like I have any better idea who will win. I mean, I think the Chiefs will win their division, but it wouldn't. I feel like the Packers need to win. It feels like the NFC the East last year, the Packers need to win eight games to win that division maybe. Yeah, Assuming that those eight games are divisional. That's the only asterisk you have to add there because if they win eight out-of-division games, they might be in trouble. But if they beat the Vikings twice, beat the Bears twice,
0: it's over. No, I, I agree with you. I, a seven-win team could definitely win that division from what the other teams looked like. Um, I mean, the Vikings, we, we call that, I mean, they just continue to be the Vikings. It's just so frustrating that they're just, I don't get how they just can't be better. It's like one of those teams. It's like, how are you not better?
1: They're, they're the other side of the coin of the Cardinals, but the bad version of the Cardinals, if you see what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, like yeah yeah. The Cardinals' ceiling is super high and more often than not they're pretty good. The Vikings' uh, sort of base floor is really low and more often than not they're probably subpar and they're kind of the opposite versions of them of of each other, but at the same time the Vikings could beat the Cardinals. I mean, it's one of those things well,
0: like I'm really happy you said that Eddie because next week week 2 cardinals vikings no i
1: mean the, it would again that's a could, vikings win oh by like 20 sure. by 21 points kirk cousins puts throws for 500 yards kyler murray fumbles a couple times they look they're just the vikings are wide open their run game looks great suddenly everyone's talking about how they have two incredible wide receivers this offense is going to be so explosive and then the following week they'll lose again
0: but good start for the Bengals. Good performance, I think, for Burrow, coming back off an injury. Didn't get demolished too much. No interceptions, no turnovers. Got the win.
1: Yeah. I still think a bad, maybe a bad week for the Bengals, though, too. Because, I mean, I don't know what
0: expectations
1: are if you're a Bengals fan. It's probably not making the playoffs. But the fact that the Steelers won. Yeah, it kind of ends any hope they have in a way because the only way they were going to get in contention was if the Steelers were terrible and the Ravens had the bottom fell out of the Ravens in the way that it kind of feels like it could do due to injury this year. And that's the only, but the, I mean, the Steelers have just picked up uh, you know, a major win that suddenly changes their prospects. I mean, I know you hate the Steelers. I know going into that game, I warned people: Steelers, Bills. Maybe it's a game you just want to watch in Week One. That who knows what can happen.
0: But yeah,
1: Steelers look pretty so, good.
0: Now, is that game a indication of a really good Steelers defense or a Bills offense that just wasn't ready?
1: I'd say a bit of both. I think that Steelers' defense is really, really good. I mean, look, the Steelers' defense is always pretty good, and we always know they're going to be super well-coached. They're just going into the season, and you know these things about them. And they got some luck, right, with the the punt block. So yeah. whenever you get a big special teams play, it has a significant impact on the outcome of a game because it just feels like a free play, basically. Same with the Browns against the Chiefs. They're, yes, you can have good special teams, but they are – there's more luck than skill involved in that happening. And that changed the game completely. But I think their defense, I mean, is... I'm
0: not sold on the Steelers still. I think that they offense are... looked bad. I think they 250 are total yards.
1: I-, I think they are exactly what we <laughs> kn- knew. They were, I- they're going to be, their defense is pretty good. Their offense can make plays, but is not explosive. And if the game stays tight, I mean, I still say I trust Big Ben in a four, in a close fourth quarter. So I'm they're not gonna win the Super Bowl, but they're probably gonna and they're gonna lose to some bad teams. I don't know, they're playing they're playing the Raiders this week, right? Yeah. I don't wanna show my hand before we make our picks or anything, and this genuinely isn't, but that game scares me. Because that could just be the the Steelers coming right back down to earth in a game that everyone is now penciling them in as winning.
0: Well, are they, though? Because after last night, that was probably the game of the week in terms of back and forth. It was
1: the ending of the week, for sure. Crazy ending. Crazy overtime.
0: Fourth quarter. Even the fourth quarter was crazy. Yeah. I mean, the fact that. Carr was able to get them down to the field goal range with 30 seconds and no timeouts. I mean, that, was, was that was terrible defense from the Ravens, though. Terrible. I mean, they just, just, <laughs> gave,
1: just gave up 15, 20 yards on consecutive plays, just like sitting deep. It was as if they were terrified, of, so terrified of the touchdown that they forgot that a field goal was going to tie the game. Yeah. And, and also it forgot as if they thought they were playing, playing football in like 1998 and not realizing that field goal kickers
0: regularly hit 50, 55-yard field goals. He drilled that 55-yard oh, field yeah, goal. That could have been, been good, good from 75. Yeah,
1: But I mean, you know what I mean? I think sometimes coaches, and I get it maybe because when they were playing or when they were coming up through football, if you told them this guy's going to hit a 55-yard field goal to tie the game, they would be like, okay, 95% chance we win. Whereas yeah. now it's like at best call it 50-50, even if they don't have a great field goal kicker.
0: Yeah, I mean for those who maybe fell asleep because that was a pretty late game, You had Lamar Jackson drive down the field. What looked like the game-winning drive, they kicked the field goal. Then Carr gets the ball back 30 seconds, drives down the field, kicks the field goal. Carr doesn't, but um, Carlson kicks the field goal to tie it up with no time left. And then you go into overtime, and the Raiders score. Everyone comes on the field, congratulates each other, Jackson and Carr shake hands. Then they go, Oh, wait, we need to review this because all touchdowns need to be reviewed. They call back the review, the touchdown, and then Carr throws. I don't think it was a bad throw. The announcer said that it was too fast of a ball, but it went right through the guy's hands. I mean, right through him. It wasn't like the guy, he just put his hands up. It was a, the spot was perfect. Throws the interception in the end zone. It must have, like that was so classic raiders when i watched that i thought then lamar jackson was going to drive down the field and end it but then they get the ball back <laughs> go to kick a field goal and the field goal kicker is on the other side and isn't paying attention get a delay of game push it back too far that they don't feel comfortable kicking the field goal and then instead just throw a touchdown on the next play and the raiders win that was crazy
1: also i mean what were their what was the ravens defense doing on the game winning touchdown
0: all out blitz
1: but but Which I, mean, I don't get even the secondary i mean they just it's all out blitz is one thing but when you have a guy i mean but yeah good game
0: i don't know now, how i haven't seen it but i know it's out there the two fantasy people or actually you could do three fantasy people for that one the guy who had the kicker and just needed him to kick the field goal to win and doesn't get it. Two, the guy who's playing against either Derek Carr or the guy who caught the touchdown and now loses because the kicker wasn't there. And three, the guy who had the Ravens defense and let up the touchdown at the end. I can see this like so yeah. many annoying tweets about this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially considering. <laughs> from that delay of game. <laughs> I could maybe listen to it if it was playoffs, fantasy playoffs. But yeah, week one it's a hard one. Now, I've got a topic yeah. that I want to... Uh, you said you wanted to say something about the Niners, actually, before we yeah. before I bring mine well, up. Well, I,
0: I guess actually it'd be more like the rookie QBs. So first you had Trey Lance, the Wonderkind throw his, <laughs> to quote a Ted Lasso, <laughs> wonderkid, throw a touchdown on his first pass. How many other quarterbacks have thrown a touchdown in their first NFL regular season appearance? So not preseason. Okay,
1: camp. I thought you were going to say first NFL pass. I was like, I this yeah, is yeah.
0: First NFL pass is a touchdown.
1: Th- their first, their first ever pass attempt.
0: Yes. So Trey Lance, his first ever pass attempt was a touchdown. How and many other QBs have done that? Zero. Ooh. No, Eddie, I'm sorry. You're missing one that you definitely know, and I know you know.
1: I know, I know.
0: So the key word is throw a touchdown on their first pass.
1: Oh, okay. So this
0: is like a kicker, is it? No, but interception voice. pick six oh, okay. is a touchdown. So who threw? Who's in? the famous QB who did that? We've talked about it on the podcast before. Peyton Manning? Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. in total, now including Trey Lance, there have been seven quarterbacks to throw a touchdown on their first pass, which is a way more than I thought it would be. Brett Favre threw a pick six. Michael Bishop threw a 44-yard Hail Mary for the Patriots. Matt Ryan threw a 67-yard Hail Mary. Jameis Winston threw a pick six. How fitting for Jameis Winston. Sam Darnold threw a pick six. How fitting for Sam Darnold. And David Blow Blau threw a 75-yard Hail Mary touchdown pass. And now Trey Lance has joined that exclusive club. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The other. Rookie QB that I thought had some interesting facts was Trevor Lawrence. So obviously, the Jags did not look very good against my team, the Texans. (laughs) And Trevor Lawrence threw three interceptions in that game. That's the first time in his entire career, including high school and college, he's ever thrown three interceptions. (laughs) It's also the first time Trevor Lawrence has ever had a losing record in his career.
1: And the first time he's ever lost a regular season game, right?
0: Yeah. A- at least for college. And no, no, in Urban high Meyer.
1: He never lost a regular season game in high school. He's, oh, yeah. he's only ever lost in the playoffs before up until now.
0: Yep. And Urban Meyer, that was the first time he's ever lost a season opener. Before this, he was 16 and 0 in college in season openers.
1: I mean, part of it, probably good to just get out of the way. I mean, it's...
0: <laughs> oh, they're going to go... Now they're going to go 16-1. and one.
1: <laughs> Well, they did the reverse last year, right? They won their opening game and then they never won again. Didn't, But... I think... I mean, it's in their interest to maybe be bad one more time. Like, they're... they're yes, they got Trevor Lawrence, but the team needs a lot more than Trevor Lawrence, so you'd be secretly a little bit pleased if you're there as urban Meyer and maybe seeing this as a five-year project. I think you want to be bad for the first two so that you can be really, really good for the final two.
0: Is that what Joe judge is doing with the giants? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. So (laughs) he's, he's thinking, you know, it's chess checkers with him, but I I have
0: a, yeah, it's, Tough to stop Teddy Bridgewater. He's, he's thinking, such an electric QB.
1: Well, thinking, speaking of Daniel Jones then, I got a question that's a little bit inspired by Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. His question was, which name a starting quarterback, How who's the youngest NFL starting quarterback that Tom Brady will outlast?
0: So outlast be, like in life, <laughs> <laughs>
1: probably all of them. To be fair, was, but no. But I mean, they'll be out of the NFL. Who started Week One? They will be out of the NFL before Tom Brady is
0: started Week One. Yeah, it has to be a young QB.
1: No, what's no no what's, any QB? what's the youngest? Because he, I'd say, oh, like he's going to outlast okay. Ben Roethlisberger, right? Roethlisberger is retiring at the end of this
0: season Andy Dalton
1: yeah so although Andy Dalton will probably hang around as a I'm not sure I would say Dalton because he'll hang around as a backup as a backup okay so Roethlisberger Mm. for sure does he outlast Daniel Jones like does Daniel Jones does he end up is Daniel Jones the type of player who people just give up on Does he get a starting job somewhere else? Like, is he, or oh, is he a backup? He,
0: yeah. If he's not on the Giants next season, or starting on the Giants, he is not starting anywhere else. I mean, either he has a decent year this year, and the Giants extend his option and keep him the starter, or they cut their losses, and he's a career backup.
1: But you think he can be a backup? Because the other category, right, is yeah, you started for a while, and then. But you need someone to think. Yeah, we want him to be the backup.
0: I mean, even isn't even Dwayne Haskins still a backup on the Steelers? Yeah, but that's just because
1: he's got <laughs> the same interest as Big Ben. <laughs> he's a chemistry guy at the Steelers.
0: Um, it's probably one of the better guesses.
1: I think Daniel Jones if you were going to go for broke is the is the move because I can't think of anyone like Jimmy Garoppolo will almost certainly be gone from the Niners at the end of this year but he's going to get a he's going to get a starting gig somewhere else assuming he has a pretty good year this year. Someone is going to decide that it's worth having Jimmy Garoppolo around even if it's just as a someone to be there until they land their next potential superstar rookie quarterback.
0: Yeah. Like I wish Jimmy you asked me this last week. I would have said Cam Newton.
1: <laughs> yeah. Newton would have been an interesting one.
0: Like, does he outlast, I would say, does he outlast Fitzpa- I Fitzpatrick? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, with this hip injury, this could be Fitzpatrick's last year. But then again, Fitzpatrick's, what, 36, 37? So he's not very young. Um, I mean, I think... Maybe Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he he could be a backup for life. He's a backup for life. Yeah? Yeah. Cause I, think I could they're... see Daniel Jones being the type of guy that gets cut by the Giants and then gets picked up by another team for like a year, and then it's just gone.
1: I think Daniel Jones could be a – could be yeah, he's like Josh Rosen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's <like>, a <laughs> slightly better Josh Rosen. Yeah.
1: Where – like, he, yeah, he got more of a chance than Rosen did. I do like those pictures that they show of Josh Rosen in high, in college where he just looks like life is going great, and then now they show him with, like, the beard. He looks kind of haggard and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> just like the NFL has destroyed his life. Not that that's amusing, right, but kind of is.
0: Now, I guess I, I always think about this with Josh Rosen. Because the criticism on him coming out of college was he doesn't need to be a QB. His family's really wealthy. He has other like interests. He can do something else with his life. And that was a criticism was is he super invested in putting in a decade, decades plus worth of work to be an NFL QB? Now, has this been proven right? <laughs> Or was he just put in a really, really shitty situation, and then again in a shitty situation, and then again in a shitty situation?
1: I think, yeah, the shitty situation bit. Also, statistically, you're going to fail. I you mean, know, like most first-round draft picks, quarterbacks fail. Like, but he's failed bad. He has, spectacularly. <laughs> uh, I don't believe in the motivation thing because your family's wealthy because by that logic, Tom Brady has retired. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason. Maybe
0: Giselle's got like a major Amazon buying problem. (laughs) You could nearly (laughs) buy Amazon. (laughs) She's just getting shares of Amazon shit every day.
1: And I know that, yeah, okay, the mentality, it's... I know the counter argument to what I've just said is someone would say, well, you grew, Tom Brady grew up wanting it. The desire was always there. And even though things around him have changed, he's kept the same mentality. Like the fact that he still has the Brady Six and he's got a chip on his shoulder about people constantly not believing in him. Whereas Rosen's grown up knowing, even if I fail at this, life's going to be okay, right? And then it's like, well, I failed, yeah. but life's still okay. <laughs> I still think to get to the level he got to, you must have liked the sport and you had to work hard because he's not. This is controversial, right? If he was Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson's athletic ability had been Josh Rosen and then he'd had Josh Rosen's background and then he'd failed. And then you could have said, well, his just the pure athletic talent got him to college. And then he just didn't have it in him to keep working to succeed in the NFL. But In order for Josh Rosen to succeed in high school and in college, he needed to be working, putting in some effort to understand defenses and to work on his
0: mechanics. His raw talent just isn't as good as other players.
1: Yeah, so I don't buy it. But look, maybe it means he's less motivated to be someone's backup. And I can get that for him to think my dream was to be starting in the NFL. Okay, I can't do that, but I got closer than most people did and they can make it all go suck it for them laughing at me and saying I failed miserably because they played zero snaps in the NFL. But okay, (laughs) failed at that, I can go be successful at something else and live a different Who knows,
0: in two years you might go into a business meeting and Josh Rosen could be on the other side of the the table. (laughs) I'd love that.
1: I'd win that negotiation. I'd just rent space (laughs) in his head during that meeting.
0: So, any other takeaways from the NFL? I don't. How about the Rams? Uh, Rams that are... was impressive. I think the I, I
1: think the Bears are terrible. The Rams yeah, look but good.
0: That offense, Stafford with that. I mean, come on, first throw, sure, fifty yard bomb. Yeah, but, yeah, that was but, such a sticking it to Goff. I wish yeah. McVeigh just gave like the double points to the camera. It was right to Goff on that one. You just this bring Goff's face do, up buddy. on the on the on
1: the scoreboard. <laughs> look we knew look i also think there's going to be a stafford love fest I, and, and bill barnwell much maligned on this podcast right but he made the good point of everyone's suddenly talking as if matthew stafford has never had a weapon before in his life and he played seven years with calvin johnson like let's not yeah. pretend that this guy got through his career playing with complete scrubs the whole time he had a couple of years with the Lions where they were terrible, but he actually, for most of his career, was on a pretty good offense Lions team when it came to offensive talent. I The Rams are going to be good, but I still have the concerns about the Rams. There's two com- big concerns. One is their defense, which occasionally they just get involved in huge shootouts, and then who knows what's going to happen. Even when they were super good that a few years ago, that was their problem. Then the second one is, I mean, Bill Belichick... Completely shut down their offense in the Super Bowl. And that was without Stafford. It was, but it was with, it was the, you know, well oiled machine going into the Super Bowl that people thought, oh, if the Patriots are going to win this, it's going to be a shootout. And then it was like, no, they're just never going to score. And <laughs> that worries me a little bit.
0: So for you, still Chiefs, Niners, Super Bowl after week one.
1: My opinion on those two teams didn't change much.
0: Okay. I'm, I, I like. Are the... you worried that the Niners are already accumulating injuries? No, it <laughs>
1: just goes with the territory. The my opinion went up. If I did a, not a real power ranking, but the Browns moved up, the Steelers moved up, the Bills moved a little down, the Packers moved down, but I wasn't super high on them anyway. Yeah the Patriots moved a little down for me just because I did come into it maybe thinking that their defense was going to be elite, elite, and that Mac Jones was going to be pretty good and their running game was going to be good. Now they should have won that game and the dolphins are not. I mean, Mac
0: Jones was decent. He was decent. I thought he played pretty well. He was decent. He's the next Alex Smith. Maybe. I mean, hopefully without the injury. (laughs) I don't wish that upon anyone. (laughs)
1: Uh, but yeah, no he he was yeah, they were they were all right, right? They should have won, but I guess I'm a little bit up on the Eagles, who looked better than they thought they would. Down on the Falcons.
0: Oh yeah, I'm kind of up on the Cowboys. I thought they looked better than I thought they would. And down they gave the Bucks I'm, a run. I'm a little down on the Bucks. Yeah,
1: but then. The Bucs took a while to get going last year, too. And their regular season, the Bucs actually weren't always that impressive. And then just in the playoffs, they were a machine.
0: Because Tom Brady cares. Yeah. I Not mean, that he doesn't care in the regular season, but he really cares. And the also, they, season.
1: they're really old, right? So, <laughs> they, no, across the board, they're old. So, I'm sure, sure, in a sense, in team meetings, sometimes they say to themselves, like, let just third gear for the regular season. Worst case scenario, we're 10 wins. And we probably still win our division, but maybe even we're a wild card. But if we're healthy going into the playoffs, we think we can beat anyone. It's probably the mindset.
0: Yeah. If I had, if, again, we don't do our power rankings or anything, but for me, the two biggest movers up and down would be, I think the Cardinals moving up. I was impressed against a, t- a playoff team from last, or what, two years in a row, playoff team just took took it to them and the Bills going down. That, I it could be an overreaction, maybe it was just a blip, but that was a very bad looking offense that last year was way better than that. That was a, a digression for that offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm still reserving judgment. But the Bills could, I mean, if the Bills lose this week, they, they'll probably be again saved by their division,
0: but they play the Dolphins next week, so right a game they should win, but a game they could lose.
1: But if they're 0-2 and the Dolphins are 2-0, then you start to think this could go south very quickly. Now, there wasn't too much to discuss from the Premier League this weekend, aside from the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo continues to just write his own scripts for his life. And of course scored on his debut twice.
0: He is, I think perhaps on the level of Tom Brady in the, not just being a gamer, but being like a big game gamer. If you see what I'm saying, like when it's that big stage game or that big stage moment, he just seems to do it, just like Brady. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, he didn't score in his third game with United. He scores in the first game. He comes back at United and scores two. You know what I mean? Like, Champions League, they're down. They need a goal. He's the guy who scores it to push him into the finals. I mean, it's just – I was going to ask you, is he the Brady of – European football, in terms of like that ability to be a gamer, like is there anyone else you want with the game on the line? Do you um, take like Messi, Mbappe, Neymar? I, well, definitely not. I think the comparison.
1: Kane. I think Lewandowski. I mean, arguably, maybe. Yeah. I think the the compare the best comparison, obviously, between the two of them, maybe, is their ability to have kept themselves seemingly having no physical deterioration i mean the big claim to fame right is when i mean he's got a lot of them but when ronaldo did his medical to sign for juventus the the doctors and the physios that did his medical checkups said that he had the body of a 20 year old (laughs) which i mean he's a professional athlete right but they're comparing him to other professional Like they're not comparing him (laughs) to the average 20-year-old. They're comparing him to 20-year-old professional athletes who signed for them. And he was 34 then, I think. So now he's – or 33. Yeah, I think he was there for three seasons. So, And also, right, his diet, he supposedly immediately had an impact on other Manchester United players. There's been talk coming out that they've seen how he eats, and now the other players are trying to switch to that. They're, they've all stopped eating dessert because he doesn't eat I, thought you, I
0: thought you meant like the way he eats. No, like no. he only eats with his hands. He doesn't use <laughs> knives and forks. Now the whole team is just eating like cavemen.
1: <laughs> no, no. Just the the actual meals he has. So they've all supposedly given up on dessert. And that's, that was a big argument for signing him, right? Was the influence he can have on younger players in terms of showing them how to be the best professional they could be. I think he might be worth that money in that alone.
0: But and just- I think, I think United have the team for that as well. Like there can be some young players that would pull the, I don't give a shit about him. Like the Jamie Tart, you know, like I don't give a shit about him. He's old, he's washed up, but I feel like Rashford Greenwood, they're the type of players that do look to the older players and will try and emulate what he's doing. Yeah.
1: And look, it was cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a Manchester United supporter. I don't really care even that much about Cristiano Ronaldo. But it was his return was cool. It was good to see how it clearly meant a lot to him. And then also it meant a lot to the Manchester United fans. I do find it a little bit weird that they embraced some aspects of things that he did elsewhere, like the Sioux celebration. You know, they like get really into that, but that's something he kind of developed post-first United stint. But... Um, no, it was it was fun. And then obviously he scored today thirteen minutes into his Champions League reappearance with the United, but then they Gamer. went on to lose to young boys. But.
0: The only other question I had about that is with Ronaldo in that lineup, do they have the best front six now in the Premier League? I probably. mean it is it is nasty.
1: <laughs> no, probably. I think that's fair.
0: I, think. I mean, that that lineup on Saturday, Ronaldo, Sancho, Bruno Fernandes, Greenwood, Pogba, and Matic.
1: Yeah, and you've got Rashford on the bench. Yeah. You've got, you know, they're like, um, we're f- forgetting Martial on the bench. Yeah, I think attacking options, they are the strongest now. The question is defensively. Um which obviously one bissaka got himself sent off today.
0: Yeah, kind of not question marks there.
1: <laughs> now, not a good way to make an impression and, and, and try and, he's a, a, trying to get cement his place in the United team, but also possibly get himself back into the discussion to play for England. When you're playing in, you know, England have more right backs than they know what to do with, literally. And based on the fact that they're playing, they play one of them in midfield sometimes just so he can get game time. But... No, they definitely have the best attacking options. I still think City won the league, though.
0: Yeah, I think I think Ronaldo at least make it a little interesting now. Now
1: I've got a question
0: for you, which
1: Sam, if he had been here, probably would have had a better time, better chance of answering correctly. But Chelsea, after their win against Aston Villa on Saturday, became the second team in Premier League history to reach 600 wins. The first being Manchester United. Who have 690 wins in the in the history of the Premier League? Can you
0: name the top five?
1: So, who do you think is in third?
0: Can I get one clue here? I have a, a specific question. Yeah. Are they all currently in the Premier League? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: They sure none of them that. have ever. So, the Premier League started
0: in what 1992.
1: None of them have obviously been relegated because. To get to amass that number of wins, they've they've been there every year. Shit, that was oh. actually a bigger clue than I meant it to be.
0: Yeah, I still don't know if I can get it though. I'll throw Sam a Bone Is Arsenal one.
1: Arsenal are are third. They All are, right, and they're and they're third. They're on five hundred and ninety eight wins. So So Chelsea have but Chelsea have well maybe next season But (laughs) Chelsea have stormed
0: (laughs) no they're gonna they're gonna get relegated maybe two three seasons from now
1: never come back just stuck on like 599 but if you think about it so they that means they started the season on 597 and when it means that they would have been way ahead of Chelsea say six months ago they would have been if you'd done the bet on which is would the next Premier League team to reach six hundred wins, they would have been overwhelming favorites, and they've just fallen
0: apart. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Um, okay, I'm gonna say Chelsea.
1: No, no, Chelsea are second. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. United are first. Chelsea are second. Liverpool. Liverpool are fourth with 583
0: wins. Part of me wants to go recency bias and go City. But they haven't been that dominant for that long. Who else could it be, though? Spurs? Mm. I'll go City. So,
1: I, the cl- the clue I inadvertently gave, which was they've all been in the Premier League for its entire existence. City was rolled out. Right? City, yeah. yeah, they 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 were. So it's got to be Spurs. Divisions. Then. It was. Spur- it was Fuck. Spurs. Well, it is Spurs? Damn. Spurs with five four hundred and eighty three wins. So it's a pretty hundred win gap between them and Liverpool, which is a gap you have to expect will only grow. Yeah,
0: I should have known that with that clue. Hmm. I would not have thought Chelsea was second. but uh, I guess it makes sense. Good for them. Good for Lukaku, who also scored <laughs> well, they had a race.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had their dominant period under Mourinho, right? So they would have racked mm-hmm. up early 2000s. They were... They would have racked up a lot of wins, and they've never been bad in during the Premier League. They they were mid table and stuff. That so they never they've never had a period where they were awful for you know a few seasons.
0: That's not bad then. So you had Sam, Ollie, and Furlong will all be piece. Yes. <laughs> yeah. True. And Jake, because oh yeah, and boy. Jake forgot about our United fan
1: have to go a long way to reach Blackburn, though. But, uh, yeah, no. Other big news from the weekend of sport.
0: Tennis, uh, right? Come on. Tennis, yeah. The Grand Slam dream is over.
1: Yeah, Medvedev comprehensively beat Djokovic in the final. It wasn't that surprising after how... I mean, Djokovic went through the ringer against Zverev in the semifinal. That was a bad sign for
0: him. God, Zverev just... I don't know how he didn't win that. <laughs> I watched most of that and he's just, he gets in his own head so bad. It's unreal.
1: Yes. Yeah. But not that surprising. And Medvedev has kind of now put himself, he's the heir apparent, I think, now, as the next kind of next generation of players. How old is he's he? Yet? So Medvedev is. 25 zverev is 24 and, and Sitsipas team is
0: 28 is, and Sitsipas Sitsipas is, is 23. Is, yeah so and rublev is 23 yeah. too if you consider him on on that level
1: on the the women's side of things you had a final with two teenagers fundamentally unheard of both of them although Ratakanu the the British teenager she'd had her good run in Wimbledon and then had also got a lot of attention for when she withdrew which we discussed on the podcast at the time but when she pulled out of the match when she was losing and then a number of people commented on the fact that she wasn't mentally tough enough she's then quali- gone through qualifiers to make the U.S. Open and then won the U.S. Open without dropping a set which is really amazing At the same time, I think people need to pump the brakes. There is I've... Some of the British media in reaction to it have already started as crowning her. I mean, talking about heir, heir apparent, they've basically decided she is the next big thing in tennis. And yes, the fact that she didn't drop a set and did dominate all of her opponents. Super impressive. At the same time, she had a fairly... A little bit like the England football team. She had a pretty good draw. Now... Unlike the England football team, she finished. She won. <laughs> she, she also, unlike the fo- England football team, didn't come into it as one of the favorites. She was 400 to 1 at the beginning of the tournament to win. She said she booked her flight, her original flight home for after round one. Oof. So she she didn't have a lot. Yeah, she, she... So yeah, that prize money probably all went on fees, adjusting after every round. She's probably got a huge bill to British Airways or something. But... <laughs> I also, my bigger takeaway, there has been, she's obviously, she is British, but she's an immigrant. She was born in Canada. She has parents who are Romanian and Chinese, I believe. And it's a great representation of, again, like when we spoke about the England football team, the the diversity of the country and the fact that. Being British doesn't mean you're just a white male. However, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with people using her as a little bit of a poster child for why immigration is a good thing. Not that she's an example of why it's not a good thing, but I feel as someone who's all in favor of accepting more refugees and more immigrants, I think it it's a slightly dangerous precedent to hold up the example of look, it's good because we get professional athletes out of it. And that's not the reason why you should want immigration in your country is because your sports team has become better. The same, I even feel like that when people say like with Steve Jobs, right? And they'll be like, oh, look, you know, unwanted son of a Syrian man goes on to found the world's largest company. It's like, that's our reasons for wanting, for accepting immigrants. Accepting seems like a loaded term, but isn't because
0: the best of the best.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's because it's morally the right thing to do for them and for the world. It's not because, well, one of them might win an Olympic gold medal a few years from now. So we'll just play the, we'll play the odds and we'll take, and then we'll start thinking, well, where should we take them from? Because where are we more likely to get either scientists or doctors or uh, Olympic gold medalists? I mean,
0: I mean, I I think partly that side is a good argument where if you have people who are just brilliant, ingenious, smart, whatever you want to say, and you can put them in a better situation where they can then use that and be successful and advance the world and advance humanity, then obviously that is a good reason to have it. But I agree with you. The other big reason should be from a moral standpoint to give everyone an equal opportunity to have a healthy, successful life is, is obviously the main thing you want to see out of it. But you know, like I, the athlete is the lowest of the low of the benefit argument. You know, like Steve oh, yeah. jobs is greatly above having yeah, he created someone jobs. help win.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. The, he created real
0: jobs. Yeah. And yeah, yeah.
1: We, we, we get a little bit of pleasure out of watching her play tennis, but we she's not she's not changing the world. I mean, apart from inspiring people, and that's obviously the dangerous one, Jim. Sure, but yeah, I agree with you there. But it just it 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 I, it doesn't sit well with me. And again, I say that as someone who's all in favor of immigration, and it gets you know immigration and and accepting refugees on the back of what's happening in Afghanistan is a hot topic at the moment politically, and some people are trying to use this as an example of, well, this is why we should accept them. The stronger argument for why we should accept Afghan refugees is we spent twenty years just destroying their country. So we <laughs> that's why we should take them, not because one of them might be good at hitting a ball eighteen years from now.
0: I actually had two questions for you about her win. One You know, you said there's been a lot of talk about her being the next greatest thing. Does this feel kind of like a Sloan Stevens situation who also won the U.S. Open was then proclaimed to kind of almost be the next Serena Williams. And like, not not that she has fallen off a cliff or hasn't done that great, but she's never reached that height that people initially thought she was going to when she first won that U.S. Open.
1: I think the list of young, talented uh, female tennis players who win a Grand Slam or two and then go on to do very little, it is a long, long list. I mean, if we look back through recent years, you had Sophia Cannon, who won the Australian Open in 2020, okay, she's kind of hanging around the sometimes in, in tournaments, but pretty much done nothing. You had Swiatek, who again has got to the later stages of tournaments. She was the favorite at one moment to win the French Open, but done very little. Going further back in time where you can judge it more accurately, there was uh, Ostapenko, who won the French Open in 2017. And that's the same year that Sloane Stevens won the US Open. So you had two young players both winning their first and now only grand slams and at the time people thought they were each one of them was going to be you know a kind of unstoppable force in their own respect it's the nature of women's tennis over the past few years is that aside from Serena Williams and a handful of other players you know the other players who have won have all been under 22 and then have never won anything again. So maybe she bucks the trend. Maybe she is the next big thing in women's tennis, but I don't think winning a tournament in which most of the big names were knocked out either withdrew or were knocked out by someone else. I'm not yet willing to say, okay, she's going to be, and she looked really good. She's got a lot of power in her game for someone who you wouldn't by looking at her. Think that she would. She's got a very nice serve. So she has the makings of being someone who could dominate it, but I would reserve judgment. I want to see her do it. You know, let's see over the next two years what she manages to do.
0: Now, my other question for you was when we talked about the Olympics, you quite openly mocked the skateboarding Olympics. Because teenagers were dominating and winning the medals. What does two teenagers in the finals of the U.S. Open for women's tennis, what kind of perception does that give you for for the sport of women's tennis?
1: Not a good one, personally. Unless, again, both of them go on to... And they might do. This might be the start of a new generation.
0: But Do you think maybe it was just an off U.S. Open where a lot of the top players weren't either competing or, or weren't really in it. It's just that So fluke. I think
1: so you have obviously the players who have maybe been most dominant in recent years coming to uh, several of them coming towards the back end or the very end of their career in Serena Williams, Simona Halep, Ashley Barty, the kind of eh uh, from earlier on Osaka, obviously she was the big one, to, the surprising one, to get knocked out in the way that she did. I I feel like there's the risk here that this is going to be the post-Serena Williams void and that for a few years women's tennis might have to go through a period where there might not be any standout players. In a little bit with golf, I think... The men's golf game is a fair comparison. There was like the post Tiger Woods, where every once in a while, you know, someone would win a couple, and you start to feel like, okay, now Rory McIlroy is going to go on to be the next big thing, and then his career fell off a cliff. And then it's like, oh no, Jordan Spieth is going to go on and be the next big thing, then his career falls off a cliff. And then Brooks Kepka, he's going to go on and be the next big thing, and then he just became more obsessed with trolling Bryson DeChambeau than he did about actually winning golf tournaments.
0: He found a better, uh, a better yeah. career. Exactly. I
1: feel a little bit like the women's tennis game is in that same position that the men's golf game has been in for the past decade. And you just have to be patient and wait for, but again, that's not either one of these two players might go on to be that person, but I would say it's more likely that we don't hear a lot from them. I'm also, this is also feels awful, right? But And I don't know how I would react if I won a major at Grand Slam at eighteen. I'm a little bit concerned that she seems to be enjoying the limelight, maybe more. And this this is such dangerous ground because I know that people will say, you know, you're kind of take, like taking, you're just taking shots at someone's success. And why shouldn't they enjoy the fact that something incredible has happened and it's the best? Yeah, Eddie, why shouldn't they, they enjoy should, it? They should, but. I just don't know. When Rafael Nadal won his first French Open, I don't know if he followed it up by taking pictures of himself in front of his photo in Times Square. Obviously that would be weird after the French Open or attending the Met Gala, you know, though but I also need to see from her that it's not a sort of Anna Kornikova situation where a little bit of the fame and attention comes a little too fast, a little too soon. And all of a sudden waking up in the morning to hit a thousand backhands isn't nearly as fun as going to a photo shoot and going out partying. And I don't blame her because I chose the <laughs> going to the, going out partying and I didn't have the option to the photo shoot and the thousand backhands. But
0: I mean, you never know though because I feel as if we're in a different generation now where your image and your brand is so important that a lot of that could just be her trying to build her brand, and maybe she is. I mean, we don't know. I, you know, I'm gonna maybe. go on the assumption that she's still going and hitting a thousand backhands, and at the sure. same time, is trying to build her brand. So, I don't that whole thing with athletes now doesn't bother me when people argue, you know, like back in the day, athletes didn't care about the attention and the fame, but th- it's different nowadays, like, you make so much more money, and you can. You can solidify your family's future for generations by just throwing up a bunch of pictures on Instagram and throwing up stupid videos on TikTok. Like that doesn't bother me. I, (laughs) I agree with you.
1: The counter argument, and not that anyone, any young aspiring athletes need advice from me on how to be successful, but you know what builds your brand the best? Winning. Think of all the athletes with the biggest individual sports brands and images in any sport. Cristiano Ronaldo, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. The connecting tissue with all of those players is not the interest they had in anything outside of their sport. It was that they won because people love winners.
0: No, that's true. But then if you go down to the next tier, there are athletes that... Their fame has surpassed their talent, and they've gotten 100%. more. Like let's Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Like I'm, he's the. But classic I'm worried example. if you're.
1: He's a classic example too. Maybe he could have been, or could be better if. And again, this scene, just this, this is like the old man argument, and it
0: does feel a little. <laughs> well, bit you like, are the old um, man of I feel like of the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does feel a little bit like one of those. Well, why do they get to have all the fun? But. I would, I'd already be worried if an 18-year-old say, hi, and not that this is a conversation or a thought that she's having, but if an 18-year-old told me, yeah, but if I'm not going to be Serena Williams, then the best thing for me is to be the 10th best player in the world, but to have the, the highest profile off the court. And I'd already be worried. Now you're the 50th best tennis player in the world. You've like in, instantly your mindset has just ruled out any future success on the court and not saying that that is what she's doing, but I would just, if I were a young athlete, if I were 18, I would just say for two, three years, all I'm going to try and make sure I do is is get to that level or as close to it as I can. And then everything else will fall into place. It takes care of itself.
0: Now real quick, before we jump off the tennis, are you disappointed that Djokovic couldn't get to grand slam?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I'm a bit torn, right, because, and this is discussion, I don't think Djokovic, he will go down as probably, you know, he's going to win the most Grand Slams, he's going to hold that record without doubt, when when all of them retire, he will be the one with the most, I don't think he's better, Roger Federer was a better tennis, or is a better tennis player than Djokovic, but It it will get to a stage where Djokovic has the reason why I'm disappointed for Djokovic is because he went for the Olympics. If he'd sat out the Olympics, I would have kind of felt as if, eh, who are you really beating at the moment, aside from Nadal in the French Open? You know, it's maybe not the best era of men's tennis with Federer kind of being out for the count right now and. A lot of your other rivals are all suffering from various injury issues. You know, team has, has struggled with injuries this season and a lot of players have missed time. But the fact that he committed to the Golden Grand Slam and went to the Olympics, which probably has hurt him in his bid to win the U.S. Open because he did, he did just look tired towards the back end of the US, U.S. Open, and he probably would have been a lot better off just resting in August, not going and playing in extreme heat and humidity in Japan and also playing doubles there while he was there too. I think because he went for it, I I had to want him to win it.
0: Yeah. And, and I agree with you. That could have been his claim to be the best of that generation, because right now you have Nadal's claim is I can't be beaten on, on one of the courts. Like I am the most dominant player on a court ever. Federer's argument is, you know, I was, I was it for 10, five, 10 years, you know, like, I was the best for the longest. Djokovic's would have been I'm the only one to ever won a true Grand Slam. But now, you know that that that's gone away and now he's just a a player who's won just as many majors. Yeah. But you yeah, know, what exactly. I mean like he doesn't have that he doesn't have that stamp. That would have been a great and, stamp and, to have.
1: And it's got to be disappointing, right? Because you do have to As successful as he's been and as much as he's won and as much as he will go on to win before he retires, he might get another chance at this, but it's unlikely. And you got to be kicking yourself that such a big achievement fundamentally boiled down to one match. And not only could you not get it done, but you really didn't turn up. I mean, he was not good in the final. Medvedev was really good, so... That has yeah. to be factored in, but a little bit like, you know, they, they, it's probably going to be one of those matches that stands out for Djokovic that he wishes he could play again when he retires.
0: And on that note, speaking of not showing up, AFC Richmond was demolished in the semifinals of the FA Cup on the newest episode of Ted Lasso. And I'm sorry that I did not say spoiler alert. <laughs> if you had not seen the episode, <laughs> you have now gotten it ruined for you. Straight off the bat. <laughs> right yeah. off the bat.
1: I think best episode so far. Wow. I enjoy it. Yeah. Wow. Of the season. Of the season. The only things that really bothered me about this episode, they reacted to city beating richmond five nil in the final in the semifinal as if what a stunner and the reality is if manchester city were playing a championship club in the semifinals of the fa cup three a three goal win would be the the like bare minimum yeah so it's not a stunning result aside from that and that look that is what it is it's not supposed to be a As we say every week, it's not some accurate representation of the world of football. I I thought it was enjoyable. It did what it did in the first season. There was actual football, that the episodes get better when there's actually a match played over the course of the episode. There was more Ted Lasso. I did like the fact, not that this was intentional, but when the therapist was speaking about how Ted Lasso couldn't open up and about how he would deflect by making a joke and an an obscure reference that only a middle-aged man from the Midwest would get. That was basically it was our criticism of
0: the show. Yeah. That was like a very meta. Like, but I don't
1: think that's what they were trying to do. No, I think they were.
0: I a hundred percent think they were. No, I think that was a joke on what everyone says about the jokes that he has. No,
1: because Ted Lasso is having such a love fest at the moment that I don't think they have to respond to any criticism that might be out there unless I mean, I don't think
0: that's such a criticism. I think it's just like for me, it's a criticism. I think from a lot of other people, it's not so much a criticism. It's just almost a point of endearment where, you know, Oh, all his jokes are these like really obscure 40 to 50 year old white guy references, like dad jokes almost, but like super um, like super witty dad jokes almost season
1: one it was endearing it was endearing season two it was the family family guy formulaic okay let's insert he says something weird people stare at him he goes oh this is like weird reference to something from the 80s or early 90s and then no one gets it and we move on that but yeah i'd say it was an enjoyable episode
0: yeah, and it was definitely—I mean—the darkest episode. It, it it did not shy away from a lot of more serious topics, which is good to see. I think. In, yeah, the therapist in is an alcoholic. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it got dark real quick when she just got demolished by a car. I mean, well, she did. Well, hold on. We don't know. Not the Her best bike sequence. was pretty ruined.
1: <laughs> she yelled as if. She was, you know, like they didn't really make sense. They cut to her face. She's cycling along, doing this weird thing where she's just insulting people while she
0: cycles. Kind of <laughs> we won't even... Who takes that bike and says, "Yeah, I look good on that bike"? Um, no one the in their right mind the looks bike. good on that bike. You look like such a dork. <laughs>
1: but yeah, the sequence of cutting from her face and she yells, and then and then she's been demolished. But then she was fine. She just had a concussion. I mean, she was not too make light of concussions, but she was fun. Although
0: Ted Lasso did make light of CTE. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. But it was... It did get dark. You had the three dark aspects, right? You have her seeming alcoholism and struggling like a midlife crisis, struggling to deal with it. Ted kind of making that worse by constantly pointing out the fact that she was alone. Um, Which obviously mirrors his own... Life a bit, than the Jamie Tart punching his dad in the changing rooms after yeah. the match.
0: Now, I thought that and was then, a really well done scene. Yeah, I thought that was good. I really enjoy. Like, yeah, I like that. You know, and you got to see the side of Roy. That was nice. And then you got to see but the side see, of this is, what bo-
1: this is what bothers me. That should have been a revealing moment for Roy Kent that should have been the moment where you saw the softer side of him but they've spent the entire season showing us the softer side of him so in actual, so like it's when you see the harder side of him now that it's more surprising but i still got a all, little
0: bit of it though it wasn't you're right it wasn't a huge reveal but it was still a reveal for him to because he's never been like that in front of the players yeah even in season 2 but and then you have, yeah, obviously, a, Ted's dad. The reveal of kill, Ted's dad. The, that he killed himself. Yeah.
1: And then also you had even Coach Beard wandering off at the end.
0: Yeah, what was that about? Does that, is is <laughs> that the last we see of Coach Beard? <laughs> is Coach Beard dead in next episode?
1: That also made me laugh, because I do like the idea that post-FA Cup semifinal, Ailey walked outside of Wembley Stadium. It's empty. Ghost town. Wait,
0: People have, playing <laughs> playing city. As well. Yeah.
1: People have people have just sprinted away from Wembley Stadium, just ghost <laughs> down. They've then on top of it, he leaves wearing his Richmond gear, which they wear everywhere. And it seemingly never, you know what I mean? Like they're constantly all in Richmond gear. Go to the pub, Richmond gear. Go everywhere, Richmond. But he's just gonna wander off to a pub around Wembley Stadium in which there would be thousands, tens of thousands of celebrating city fans. Out drinking, and he's gonna wander in as the assistant manager of a, the team they've just beaten in his gear. And yeah, I mean he's
0: dead. And the, I mean the other part is they lost to City. It's not as if they lost to a crappy club. Y- yeah, you know, it's not that shocking. If if they were betting on this, City are one to seven favorites. Oh, maybe one to ten. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. You know, like, no, they, they are, treat are you that they... dark after that yeah. loss? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, you would have gone into it saying to each other, anything we get out of this is a welcome surprise. But I am genuinely
0: concerned that next episode, <laughs> Coach Beard is gone. That was a really weird goodbye. Yeah, it was,
1: again, it was another one of those that just didn't feel like it added anything either. Just the fact that he just, he found that to be a tough loss, so he needs to go out drinking.
0: Either he's awesome. dead or Jane is murdered. I mean, Wembley's <laughs> also miles from Richmond, so that is, <laughs> that's,
1: that's not, I wish we had Sam around, because obviously Sam lived next to Wembley Stadium. I mean, oh, Sam yeah. must have been living, Sam must have had a view, conceivably could have had a view of when they were filming
0: this. He might be an extra and doesn't even know it. no. Is His flat, could also have been an extra. They
1: do a pretty good job of the CGI of the fans and stuff. Wembley looked awful, though. The <laughs> <laughs> Wembley oh.
0: looked. All right, two, I have a few more on that. So, the Wembley thing, when they walk into that stadium, I wish we were watching together because I would have bet the house that he put that Hoosiers reference in about how like it's the same place we always play like measure the distances it's the same and i even would have been able to tell you he's going to say i bet let's measure the field it measures the same doesn't it and the joke's going to be no actually it doesn't i saw that coming a, a, like a thousand miles away i wish there was a market to bet that
1: which is another interesting But thing, it was right, a good joke
0: a, because a lot of americans don't know that
1: and but also um, english people watching it wouldn't have got the reference
0: so, so it's you know, a little bit like
1: of both, a, yeah. It's a little bit of both, but no, no, that bit was good.
0: But um, th- my part about that—that that I think—is a little annoying. Is why is Jamie Tart, who two years ago is arguably one of the best up-and-coming players, so in awe of Wembley? He's clearly been in stadiums of that size. I mean, they were in the Premier League the year before, so they've seen stadiums that I know aren't Wembley-sized, but they're they're intimidating pitches right like it's yeah. not as if they were playing well, on like a backyard field and now are thrown into a stadium
1: but Wembley's special like I, I do get that a little bit he probably now the thing is he might have if he there's every chance he would have played at Wembley with City because either in the FA Cup or the League Cup you would have I mean but let's assume he hadn't done I, I do get it that Wembley is special it is different even than going to Old Trafford or Anfield it's it's a little bit different um but but yeah no i mean i just yeah i also like that they just walked out like three feet looked at it no like walking around the actual pitch kind of and then walk back in i also that weird coach's room they were in kind of just stand. yeah it that was that was a bit strange but but no i thought it was a good episode but yeah the the overreaction i also didn't the the other thing that bothered me was the commentator i think when city went four nil up or five it was the 85th minute now it's over yeah it's like no it was (laughs) no one is holding out hope oh it's only three nil with five minutes to go we've got a really good chance
0: the yeah i mean i really liked the episode too i mean these are like little nitpicky things the other the we talk about this every week. I don't know what they're trying to do with Nate and whether they want him to be a likable or a hateable character because when they were doing that locker room thing and they were all admitting things, they were all really funny. Like they were all good. I I, I liked everyone what they admitted. It made sense. And then they go to Nate and instead of him having a, a legitimate one a like, "Hey, I was no, a prick no, to only- the people," he he does the I have a lot of great ideas and I pretend like they're spur of the moment. Like that's such a douchey thing to say. You know, like I'm, There's I, only I, one I that come didn't up with really sense. great ideas.
1: <laughs> the time, the Brazilian right back comment makes no sense. The fact that they missed it because he mess, messed up the time zones. The only time zone that would have mattered is the time zone he was in when you're signing a player. So that's the only one. Again, it's not supposed to be some accurate portrayal yeah. of the world of football, but that was the only one where like, that doesn't make any sense, what he thought. Brazil, which is, if anything, is behind. So you're never going to have, unless he's so dumb that he saw the time in Brazil and assumed that was the time he where he was, which is like a level of idiocy that I can't even believe. But that was the only bit that didn't make a lot of sense. But, but that, I do agree with you.
0: Like that mess up is a slightly endearing mess up for Higgins. Like that's something that, you know, like you can see like, ah, oh, it's a Higgins. Sure. And yeah. then coach Beard, like, oh, that's a coach beard. And then Nate, it's like, oh, Nate's still a prick. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't, although
1: his was the only one, right. That you could apply to your real life. It's not necessarily the worst advice to pretend that you, to have a good idea and then save. Now the only downside to that strategy, you might never get a good opportunity to share the idea. <laughs> so you yeah. might be sitting on, a a winner and just be waiting for the moment and never comes or someone else says it before you. That's the
0: other downside too. But we are missing Sam and it's unfortunate because I feel like Sam would have a very strong opinion about the B line of that, the B storyline of that episode, which is owner and player connecting. He has been He called it. He did, not only did he call it, but he has been very against it from the start. So I would love to hear his takeaway on the, I forget what was her, I forget what her age was, but he was what, 21, he said? Which, no way.
1: When he, when he went 21, it was like, no, you could, come on, 25. No way what? Oh, uh, you, you think he's like he's 25? Tw- yeah, he, he does not give me the impression of having been a 21-year-old, but... I mean she must be again, do we look up the age of the actress and assume the character is the same age what we did with Nate?
0: Let's just say I'm gonna say she's late fifties, fifty six. In 47. the show. In the show, okay. I think she's older. Okay. I think she's supposed to be Hannah, older in the show.
1: Cause Hannah Waddingham, the, the who plays the character, is 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 yeah. forty seven.
0: So I'm gonna say I think in the show she's over fifty.
1: Okay. Or right. Let's I say mean, she's, she's fifty. Dated. Let's
0: just say she's fifty.
1: My issue with that is, paparazzi would be all over it. I mean, at her owner home. of a football. Well, at the at the restaurant. Oh yeah. Owner of owner of the football club and player on date. Okay, maybe they get to say afterwards it wasn't a date. It's the owner and and a uh, high profile player going out to talk still weird but now also creepy move by him The just being outside her door it's the like looks good in a romantic comedy looks psycho in real life (laughs) you know what i mean yeah (laughs) they're texting she has no idea he's there she just sends him a message being like so you had to think of the sequence that <laughs> happened. She's in her kitchen. She sends a message saying, hey, where are you right now? Do you want to meet up? And then he says, my address is this. She sprints to get her stuff, opens the door, and he's just standing there.
0: And lo- and she loves it. She loves it because it's a
1: movie. Yeah. But if she – oh, a TV show and also she's into him.
0: If she's not into
1: him and she just opens the door and this guy – who she's speaking to on a dating profile is just standing there, just like, "Here re- I am."
0: It reminds me of like the the things you see where it's uh, Instagram versus real life, and like that's the that's the Instagram version, but in real life, she goes to get to her car, and he's like, "Hey," and she like pepper sprays him. <laughs>
1: Or just runs that's, him over because he's like just real, waiting outside. The
0: <laughs> That's the real life version. He gets yeah. pepper sprayed or run over, scaring her while she's getting in the car.
1: <laughs> that's when Ted Lasso really got dark. <laughs> I'm not going to make the joke I want to make. But...
0: Where, where do they go from here? Does the show get darker oh. or does it start uplifting now? Like, is that is that the low? And then from here they kind of... Do that heartwarming, uplifting. There's life after all of this. You can recover from all these different things.
1: Oh, yeah. Because what they basically created, right, is that in order for Ted to be open to being helped by the therapist, he needs to be able to help her. Like, this is the situation. They are now going to, they've kind of got a symbiotic relationship where they will get what they need from each other so that they can both improve from a mental health standpoint. Clearly, that's what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen with the romantic storyline aspect of it. I mean, it is unimaginable that a owner of a football club <laughs> is dating one of the players. Unimaginable. But I don't know how—I don't know how—I mean— as a one I, I mean in most, episode?
0: In most companies, that would be illegal, wouldn't it? It's illegal, yeah. <laughs> I would think it
1: would still be illegal,
0: even in football,
1: but more complicated.
0: Yeah, and it also, for me, the other question is, does Ted Lasso have a romantic interest? Because that's going to have to happen for him to stay. Because otherwise... Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Is it a the therapist, or is it still the owner? Does she realize that she can't be with um, or
1: or the owner's friend stinky and that's the one stinky face the one who calls her stinky or whatever she who right there are the,
0: now yeah because i feel that's the hook to keep him in england because otherwise it's him going back to be with his family yeah also
1: can we just say again thought it was the best episode haircut scene weird um just <laughs> everything about it weird i'm guessing it was making reference to something that i didn't
0: get like a i didn't get the reference either i'm sure I'm assuming it, had to it was be like, something
1: assuming it was like some kind of mafia movie that i'm just not picking up on the m- reference just with the way they did the lighting and stuff it just seemed like a kind of godfather-esque moment that i just didn't wasn't picking up on exactly what the reference was
0: i like the idea of mocking the haircut being so important with like premier league players because you know they really do and then he just so has much. exactly and then he has
1: exactly the same haircut
0: yeah <laughs> just, just just a exactly little exactly the same just a little just a, cut <laughs> on the sides
1: It's a, a slightly shorter flat top basically yeah but um also ted sometimes the show doesn't need to beat us over the head with some of the points and like Jamie Tart standing there, and then Sam's dad calling him and being like, I could not be prouder of you, son. I almost went into an accident that was going to get me in trouble.
0: I love you, Dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. On speakerphone while he's biking and reading a book in the gym. I mean, just a set of circumstances there. Like, my that he's standing there being like the father-son moment that everyone dreams of the, the dad saying you couldn't have done i couldn't have like what an incredible achievement by you son and the son going oh i couldn't have done it without you oh i love you i love you too you're my hero you're my hero oh my god and jamie tart meanwhile is like oh yes it's like you could have eased up a little bit on that and we would have all got it but yeah and ohio states surprising loss we spoke about it coming into the season right how some teams had front-loaded schedules i mean are ohio, is, is that the end of ohio state's playoff hopes like is there no do you think they can make the playoffs now
0: maybe they might get a backdoor in on the four seed if they can run the big 10 because right now you have i think iowa is ranked fifth and penn state is ranked 10th i believe So if they can beat two top ten teams and you already have Clemson with a loss, you assume Alabama stays undefeated, will have to play Georgia. Maybe. Not completely out of it. They're the one team, I think, I think they still have a better shot than Clemson at this point. But not a good look for Ohio State. With the team that, traditionally used to have a really solid defense. I mean, you're looking at, you know, Chase Young, um Okuda, a lot of first round draft picks in the past few years. Their defense has in the last last year was not as good as it was and this year, although it's only one game, it did not look up to Ohio State level at all. I mean, it was bad.
1: Yeah, particularly in the first half when they just could not get a stop to save their lives. Kind of came into the game in the fourth quarter, but uh, most of
0: it just
1: were not involved.
0: Now, the fan base that was loving it was obviously Michigan, who now think they have a chance to beat Ohio State. Do you know the last time Michigan beat Ohio State?
1: 38 years
0: ago. No, <laughs> 2011.
1: <laughs> uh, that's funny.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's crazy to see Iowa in the top five. I that That's really surprising. And they've actually looked really good both games. So that will be interesting to see if they can keep that up. Um, that would be a real underdog story there. But other than that, Giants playing Thursday night. So I get to get that out of the way, which is amazing. You know, I get to watch the Giants lose and then have a full weekend to not have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, not the best Thursday night football game ever, but
0: at least I'd rather have shitty ones on Thursday anyway, because that's a tough one to watch because, you know, you're doing things. It's during the week. You might miss it a little bit.
1: I mean, I'd rather have Sunday
0: night be a good game.
1: I mean, I'm in Europe, so yeah. The Thursday night game kicking off at 2:15 in the morning, my time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will put the Giants Washington game into the I will not stay awake to watch that one. In fairness, I yeah. didn't stay awake to watch the Raiders uh, Ravens game, but I woke up in the fourth quarter, so I Perfect woke time. up. Yeah, it was it was ideal, but may, who knows? Maybe I'll wake up and. Four AM on Friday morning and the Giants and Washington will be fifty zero, zero. all. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is punting first down.
0: Tail Jones, six fumbles. All right. Well, we'll be back Thursday for our picks. Sam might not. Sam might but not, but his- he will fly in his picks. He has told yeah, he's told us first, he's first had class. This,
1: he's, he's had this before, so I'll, I'll read his picks out for him. He always loves when I do that.
0: Oh, that's very good. And we can decide why he's picking who he's picking. Yeah. Classic. All right. <laughs> All right I'll talk to you later.